Hello and welcome to the Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Chen. I'm Miles. I'm Anthony. And I'm Red. Hello. This week, our guest is none other than Steve Horowitz, sound director for Nickelodeon Digital, musician, and a shared professor, uh, excuse me, shared professor of ours at San Francisco State. Um, we hear him, like, we talk with him about, like, Alex talks with him about his history in games and how he got his start making music uh, and recording voiceovers for different games back in the day. But first, before we get into those conversations, we get into the news. And Sony, back at it again. It's you again, Sony. Um, yeah, so Anthony made, aware, made us aware that uh, Sony has done a bit of a reversal. Two out of three reversal. So, you want to bring us up to speed on that? <laughs> Yeah, so through a serious uh, twist of fate here, it uh, looks like all of our prayers and thoughts have been answered. Mm-hmm. Sony will not be closing down the PlayStation Store for the PS Vita and the PS3. Yay! Woo! Round of applause, everybody. Round of applause. We did it. We did it, everyone. Uh, but unfortunately, they're going to shut down the P- PlayStation Store for the PSP. So if you are a PSP owner and still looking to purchase digital games or uh, movies, um, now's the time to do so. Or stock up on those, uh, the physical, the UMDs. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. I like those a lot. Um, with other news in the moment, uh, Discord has stopped their talks with Microsoft for the $10 billion acquisition. So we will see what becomes of Discord in the future. Who may take it up? Maybe Yahoo will take them up as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think they, I, mean, we'll I think they just like to stay independent as, as if they're doing now. That's the- I mean, I would hope so. I mean, it's a smart idea to like r- just having reports of a ten billion dollar talk acquisition with Microsoft. So what a, just talking yeah. about that. I mean, that's going to drive interest. That's going to drive interest, and I think that really, from the the little I understand of the financial world, it sounds like they're gearing up for an IPO yeah. at this point. That would be which, nice. I mean, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> the same happened to Unity last year, and yeah, yeah. how'd it go? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I do have some friends make some money from there, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends that make money there, um, but <laughs> that's about it. Um, in other news, uh, uh, the Mortal Kombat movie is coming out um for all reports uh this is looking like a good product for what it is i'm not gonna say it's an oscar winner but i'm also not gonna not say it's an oscar winner but it's looking pretty fun it's looking very mortal Kombat. i will say i mean yeah i watched i watched the trailer and i thought this movie looks dumb 
but it's Mortal Kombat. Like, I'm yeah, not going Mortal to expect Kombat. really too much more from it. No. Like, no. It, it's not going to be anything incredibly crazy. Yeah, I'll go check it out. Yes. Maybe we can do Report back. a little little maid cast excursion. Maid cast movie to night. To a movie theater, <laughs> yes. We shall see in the future. Before we, uh, I think it's about time we wrap up talking about the news at the moment. So we can throw it on over to Alex and Steve in this great interview that they had. And we got to have a little chat with our former professor. So without further ado, Steve Horowitz. Hello, and we are back here with Steve Horowitz, longtime maid supporter and audio engineer. Hello, Alex. Good to be here with you. I didn't know that was my prompt to say hello. Good to be here with you. That's all right. You don't, as we said, you don't do voiceover work. You you just uh, edit the voiceover work and edit the music and make the music and all those things, right? Yeah. You know, I've had the opportunity to go into the, you know, I've done tons of voiceover recording over the years and I've had the opportunity to go into the booth and I've never wanted to do that ever. (laughs) Just because, just because I have so much respect for good voiceover people and it's such hard work. It's really hard work. It, we, we had uh, Chris Brown on the show uh, last uh, couple of weeks ago, and she does a lot of voiceover work, coaching and so forth, that she was mentioning that. But I wanted to sort of start with where you got into video games, because you were a musician first, correct? I still am a musician, Alex. Well, yes, of course, you're still a musician. Boy. But I mean, it, your, your musicianhood predates <laughs> your, your involvement with video games, correct? Yeah, I mean, I started out, you know, as a guitar player, and, uh, and then I switched over to bass, and I was playing in bands, and I was doing recording, and, uh, you know, I studied a little bit. I went down to the California Institute of the Arts and studied music down there, and... Um, Actually, that was all pre any any involvement with game audio or game sound. And I came back up to San Francisco and a good friend of mine now who I just met at the time, Mark Miller, um, uh, my cousin was in town, introduced me to Mark. I think Mark's like the first recipient of the gang, uh, the Mm -hmm. gang lifetime achievement awards anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I met Mark. And actually, we were at some club in San Francisco, and he was screaming at me. He's like, did you ever think about making your living recording, making music for games? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And uh, he got me my start. And his company, Neuromantic Productions, they were working for everybody from Sega, Sony, Crystal Dynamics. And I got a a major education following him around. Um, And this was back in the day of Sound Blaster cards, when people had PCs but had no idea how they could make sound and... and, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that, that's where I start, right about 1991. Okay, so what was your first title? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. Um, I probably don't remember actually what the first one was, but the most memorable first one was uh, working with Rocket Science Games on Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Indeed, and that was a, a, a sort of an IP property. It was this weird sort of everything at once kind of property. It was a car, cartoon and a video game, and yeah, it was very similar to a lot of what was happening at that time. You know, um, CD-ROM had just come in, and suddenly we went from six megabytes for a game to like five hundred megabytes. Um, and so we recorded live music, and we mixed that with MIDI stuff, and it was all combined together. But Rocket Science was an interesting company because they they, they started out was supposed to be, oh, we're going to make two games this year, and four the next, and eight the next. And then they made two games that technically were quite impressive, but not super impressive to the game-playing community. And then that was... Uh, 
<laughs> they started to, to go downhill from there. But I remember going out to Rocket Science Games. Their, their offices were in the East Bay, and they had catered lunches every day. Wow. Um, it was that merger of Silicon Valley and Hollywood. It was Sillywood. Um, and uh, everyone was super excited. And, and for me, it was great absolutely fantastic um now, yeah. you mentioned the catered lunches were there any sort of uh any other symbols of largesse when you got there that you can remember uh they just had a lot of uh you know they had a lot of space um what else was going on no not so much at the time the only thing i found out later much later in fact just recently i think you and i talked about this is that um, apparently, Elon Musk was there working. Yes, yes, he worked there on yeah. uh, the Legend of Tully Bodine. Right, and and that was I didn't work specifically on that title, but I had you know other friends of mine who were working uh, you know on that, and I never met him and never knew he was there, and it was only recently I found out that he was actually in the building. <laughs> <laughs> was that uh, did they have all that space because they were doing filming on site? I don't know. I think they were doing mocap there. They were doing all sorts of all sorts of things. It was one of those games, very typical for the early '90s, where there were ton, there were every single level was precursed by a full fully animated cutscene, you mm -hmm. know. And this was taken from the the Schultz story, and it was you know fully done with voiceover and sound design. I think I think actually Chris Grieg from Negative Land did the uh, oh, wow. sound effects and sound design. Um, and, you know, they were fully produced. I recorded live instruments and, and, and you know, mixed and mastered and, and did the whole thing. Um, it, you know, and so those were like full-on productions. And then the gameplay itself was you know, sort of secondary in a way. Um, yeah, a, a lot of those games sort of felt that way. Yeah, I mean, you basically, you've seen it, you, you drive around in this car that's very hard to control um, and basically run into dinosaurs. But it still sounds like one of those sort of crucible moments in history where all these really cool people came together and were in the same place, whether or not the thing was a success. Like, Kraut Rock came out of sort of a thing like this. I consider Noise Bridge in San Francisco to be similar to that. Like, was it, did it feel that way? Was there an energy to it? Absolutely. There was an energy to San Francisco at that time, right? Because... You didn't just have rocket science, but there were multiple companies, you know, big companies like Sega and Sony, Crystal Dynamics that were all, you know, doing new things and doing interesting things and very much, you know, uh, producing, you know, all sorts of games. And then at the same time, you also had like mom and pop companies. Like I remember we worked on a project um, for a two-person company. It was just a husband and wife team who lived in Tiburon, and they they wanted to do Dante's Inferno on CD-ROM. <laughs> and they they we recorded. I recorded all of Dante's Inferno in the studio for them with voice actors, you know, very British voice actors doing the whole thing, and it was. I don't. I never saw the light of day. I don't think it ever came out. It was. It was just <laughs> such a gigantic project. Um, but the excitement. In those days, was that all of a sudden, you know, again, we went from six megs to 500 megs, and there was the chance to put all sorts of, uh, you know, um, uh, rich media, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that couldn't be done before. And yeah. Mm. Uh, now, I, I know you mentioned uh, Mark Miller, but I mean, there's a lot of other people that sort of came up in the 90s who are now in that audio space and, you know, made some of these classic songs that people hearken back to in, uh, in the classic games. Uh, what do you, how is that transition, do you think, going for yourself and your peers from that era of, woohoo, we have a lot of storage space, to now this, 
you know, we're, we're doing a lot of re- reissues of this old stuff. We're doing a lot of remasters of old stuff. You can just make whatever music you want and put it on any game because of encoding technology. It seems like the constraints are gone, and there's a, an established sort of uh, oeuvre, as, you, uh, as, as it were. Well, you would think so, but, you know, uh, people such as myself who have been around for a while... Um, you know, we just talk about how the more things change, the more they stay the same. And the game world in general and the game business in general and game industry is so circular and so cyclic, right? Um, yeah, great. You've got your PS4s, you've got your PS5s, you've got your Xboxes, and at the same time, you still need to make your stuff work for mobile devices, right? Which may have, you know, computing power and audio processing that's, you know, equivalent with you know 1990s or you know mid 90s uh text so you know there's always consideration for file size there's always consideration for what can be done and you know the only thing that's fascinating for me is that you know we did a lot of 8-bit you know audio at that time right having to take things and convert them down you know to make them fit onto the platforms and now all of my you know all of my students and there's a whole younger generation that are just like chiptunes rock and i'm like (laughs) you know this is great listen to that crunch and i'm all like oh my god we tried to run as fast as we could away from that to go to higher fidelity uh and higher quality so um it's interesting is that surprising to you maybe the fact that these these older platforms and this this lack of quality is what is sought now or i mean that's already happened in the audio world before yeah you know what it is but it shouldn't be right like I should have known. It's like it's like I should have known to save every single comic book I bought when I was a kid and put it in a plastic <laughs> bag. I should have known that they would be super worth a lot. Like I have friends who did that and they like yeah. you know, their collections are worth like $50,000 and I have like, you know, four that might be worth something, right? So similar, it's like I even now I, I no I don't I was not thinking about it that way. Maybe there were people who were thinking about it in terms of posterity. I was just thinking I really love what's going on with games. I love the technology. I love the, um, you know, the arcane uh, uh, systems that are being used. And so I found myself falling into using my musicality in those ways. And then I found it super, super interesting. So I never thought, oh, my gosh, 20 years from now, I I just I never even gave it a thought that that um, that people would be looking back um, and and remembering you know, and, and, and being nostalgic about that kind of stuff. But, you know, in retrospect, of course, I should have, right? Because you've got a whole generation of people who have grown up and that's, you know, that's the stuff they love. That's the stuff they grew up on. So, of course, they're going to mm-hmm. want to go back to it and to, to emulate it. So I was going to hand it over to our uh, production staff here, who uh, your former students, who I'm sure have interesting questions for you. And hopefully they'll let you talk about your new projects, too. Oh, interesting. I guess I'll go first. Um, so, you talked a little bit about sort of the the transition from the past to now, and you know the the changes that took place in that transition. Um, which do you think was more sort of the Wild West? Like, was the past uh, was was like your early career sort of just this like anything goes, we'll figure it out. Or do you think that it's sort of developed into a more stable structure or it's become less stable? Well, if I had to answer, I, I mean, I would say more stable, but with the caveat that it's still the Wild West, depending on what area of the game industry you're working in, right? So 
okay, early days back in the 90s, that was the wild, wild west. That was like people didn't know what sound cards can do. People weren't sure what the platforms can do. Um, then you cut to when the mobile thing really blew up in the 2000s. It was the same deal. It's like, how do we get sound onto the headset? How do we make this work? They didn't even know the specs for, for individual devices, right? Um, and that's happening again now as we move into VR, right? Six degrees of separation and ambisonic sound and all sorts of new things to learn. So on one level, very much like the film industry, there's been enough time to codify it. And the bigger companies that are working in the AAA space um, you know, they're they're much less like the wild, wild west right now and much harder for people to break into and things have been settled. But there are always these new technologies, new platforms and things that maybe we didn't even consider to be game like. Right. Coming out all the time. Um, and those always present opportunities. So it's 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 a little bit of both. Um, iOS is, is easier, right? They always seem to have a clear development path. Um, Android is getting better, um, but, but um, you know, just speaking in general, not outside, yeah, outside of mobile in general, um, you know, there's always, the challenges are, I think, in some ways similar, right? Is like, how do we make really great sounding stuff? And how do we apply our apply our we're artists, right? So how do we how do we apply our artistic sensibilities at the same time trying to keep up with a lot of the new technology? Yeah, it's a challenge, right? Um, so you know you're constantly. You know, you, you need to be fearless in a certain way, and you're constantly being thrown into the into the the water, into the deep end of the pool. Um, so, if that's not something that you like so much, then maybe working in the game industry or sound or music for games isn't so much for you. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's always applying the same artistic techniques and the same artistic sensibility, um, and then just you know working closely. Uh, with developers doing your research, right, um, and just trying to understand the new platforms and what their capabilities are, right. It's 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 endlessly fascinating, right. It's tech, um, and I actually find that part of the exciting part. But in reality, to answer the other part of your question, which is, it's hard. It's hard to keep up with all of these things that are changing all of the time. I got a question, but I don't ask it for myself. I have been meeting a lot of people who are musicians like us, and they have been looking into the game audio world, and they start got frustrated because they have never done something like game design or even mixing or mastering. Mm -hmm. So as a musician like us, what kind of advice would you give them to get it started on touching something that they have not been feeling comfortable with? Yeah, and I think I think you having been <laughs> having spent some time with me, I think you know where my answer is going to be with this is that you know 
when I started out back in the day, there you know there was no middleware, right? Um, there were no third-party plug-in companies. Every company was making its own tools, right? Um, then you got into this course of where it's like, okay, great, you know, and, and there was nowhere to go to school for it, right? There was nowhere to study, right? Um, you just started doing it, or like me, you started working with somebody who had a company who was doing it, who knew a whole lot more than you, and you kind of interned with them in that way while you were working, right? Um, so, you know, the cut to now, or, you know, cut as we go forward in time, um, you know, it became more important and everyone started talking about middleware, right? So it was like, oh, you need to know FMOD, you need to know WISE. Okay, yeah. great. So, so it's a given that you can, you know, use a digital audio workstation and make things sound really, really good. That's like the base level, right? As a musician, you need to understand how to how to orchestrate, how to compose, how to do all of that stuff, whether in the box or outside of the box, right? Um, with live musicians or not with live musicians. I mean, those are those are the base skills that we all have to have. And then you go to the next level, and it's like, well, okay, I can use some middleware. I can use FMOD. I can use Wise. And understanding how those programs work is very, very difficult without taking that third step, which is working inside of a game engine. And what I've been finding and what we've been finding through the Game Audio Institute and other places is um, it's essential. And companies now, if you start to look at job listings for job jobs, in mostly yeah. in AAA, they are asking now not just for you know musical skills or sound design skills, but they also want you to use be a technical sound designer and know middleware and implementation. And further, they want you to have experience inside of game engines. So that's I think a change that's happened over the course of many many years, going from oh you just need to be a musician to oh now you need to know these other things which which makes a lot of sense actually because in games how can we create really great music and really great sound if we don't understand how the game <laughs> functions right yeah you know so you know you've heard me say that a million times and i'm yeah, I, record about that yeah i just have to ask for some of the other people who, who asked me about it i mean mm -hmm. i think you're a better person to explain yeah. this kind of stuff for me <laughs> yeah i think i think the big thing that you have to keep in mind is that okay back in the day you know we would get calls from people mark would get calls at neuromantic from you know tv composers or or film composers and they're great composers and they'd be like oh i hear this game thing's really great i don't really like games but i i need money and that's just a total that's a non-starter right there right um you know what the game industry needs from music and sound to make good stuff is people who are great artists and at the same time understand the tools uh, and understand the devices that they're working, uh, that they're making, you know, their art for. So, you know, it's one of those things where that keeps evolving and keeps changing and the, the benchmark gets moved. But, you know, it's very rare. It's not impossible, but it's very rare that you find people in the game industry is like, I just write music. I just write music and I orchestrate and that's what I do. They do exist, um, and, but there are there are handfuls of them out there compared to the number of people who are involved in all the technical side as well, right? Understanding music and sound, but also able to, you know, use middleware and it's just it's just what sort of is required these days. Hmm. Uh, 
Oh gosh, in game, <laughs> in 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 game world, or in 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 other things, or yeah. Oh well, let's see. Um, on the game side, so I still audio direct with Nickelodeon <laughs> Digital, which is the games division, and. There's a couple of really exciting things that are happening there. One is uh, the Emerging Products team has been working on Google and, and Alexa and Amazon um, uh, voice-activated uh, games, which are, which are very interesting uh, and very new. Um, so there's been a series of uh, um, Blues, Clues, and You that has come out. I worked on a lot of kids' games. I do work on a lot of kids' games. And so those are cool. Um, and it's an interesting rethink of how we make games that are audio-only games, right? Uh, games that, you know, there's no visuals. Or if there are, actually, some of the devices are starting to have visuals as well, but they're very, they're not the richest yet. So that's really cool. Um, the other thing is uh, SpongeBob Patty Pursuit, which came out um, for the Apple uh, Arcade. Apple Arcade and was a number one game for a while. So that's that's been a nice project to work on. Um, and along the lines of education, been delving more into that with the Game Audio Institute, and we've started to teach classes online, as well as specifically to uh, keep developing new uh, new game lessons that we call them, uh, which are uh, Unity projects that have been wired up. Um, uh, to teach specific things uh, in terms of sound design, in terms of music implementation, um, and uh, so those all those things keep keep going forward in in game world um, and are are super interesting. Um, How do people find your audio classes and so forth? Oh, they can go to the gameaudioinstitute.com or just Google Game Audio Institute, and uh, you'll see me and my co-founder Scott Looney. Um, and you can read a little bit about what we're doing there with schools. Um, right now at San Francisco State, we're developing a new, a bunch. Well, I should say we're developing a bunch of new programs uh, uh, in music for visual media. Uh, and so it's one of the few places in the country, I would say, probably maybe the only place in the country where you can get a four-year liberal arts, liberal liberal arts degree and a and a degree in music with an emphasis in music and sound for games. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I was going to tell you about, I have two albums that came out recently uh, of my, you know, and one of them is an album of duets that I did with uh, uh, me on bass and Vinnie Golia on saxophone, uh, Michael John Fink on guitar, um, Ben Sabe uh, doing elect electronics and synthesis, and a solo bass album that just came out over the pandemic summer of last summer where nobody could get together and play with each other so what, yeah what are the album titles steve uh one is called uh duets and the other <laughs> um <laughs> and the other is called bass solos and both of them you can find if you go to steve Of course, always happy to. And and thank you for supporting the maid for all these years. Ah, the maid is the best. Um, if you're listening to this and you're not supporting the maid, you should be supporting the maid. Um, it's essential, vital, and wonderful.
Thank you very much. And welcome back. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, we are very happy that you were able to come in and talk with us again. And it's good to see your face, even though digitally. Uh, we shall see it. <laughs> wish I haven't graduated. I know. I know. I mean, you can always go back and take the class. You know, the, the college always become better when you when you leave it. Yeah. So. Yes. Um, it's yeah. It was a thank you very much, Steve, for coming by, and uh, we'll see you soon and talk about more things in the future so now that we're back together what games have y'all been playing we need to i've i've been playing final fantasy 15 and it's been fun but i want to hear what you've been Ooh. playing i'm actually curious uh what you think of it okay i i enjoy it it's really fun uh the combat it like i <laughs> I would recommend doing it. Trying to find a right pace is rough in the game because I think I level up too quickly. And so some of the fights have been seemingly very easy, but they are now starting to get harder again. Um, I'm unaware of quite how many chapters there are in the game. I'm in chapter five, I believe, but I'm going to be over level 50. But uh, a few, like, I uh, think about. 35 hours so far total into it um just grinding a lot of the hunts it's fun the fighting is fun the traveling pace kind of gets me a little bit it's a little bit slow for me but i mean i get it it's idyllic and it's encapsulating four bros taking a road trip together in the midst of a massive war do you, uh, so by that do you do you mean that the car itself is slow like it's physically just slow to drive or like the, the yes, pace like of the game is like, slow and you know not enough is happening fast no enough? no no like the pace of the game is very nice and freeform and you can go check stuff out at your own pace there's a lot to see and do the pace like the car physically is slow and it it's it says press r2 to accelerate but it means just press r2 to go you don't have control over the accelerator so it's like skyrim it's, horse no, not even that good. Could it be you just uh, driving too fast in your real life so you feel like it's slow in a game? Well, it, it limits me. Read the speed it demon. limits me. Yes. Hey, hey, I'm not a speed demon. I'm just like, but this is a video game. I mean, I don't drive crazy on the freeway, but in a video game, there's no risk. It's supposed to be freedom, but we'll see. It's fine. It's a very fun game. I like the, like I like the story. It's visually gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing like. I, I really enjoy it. It's super fun. Do Do you find like a sort of overlap between the combat system between um, Kingdom Hearts? Yes, it's very similar like flowy style of where you can go back and forth. Um, it's a little. I actually kind of like it a little bit. You know, yeah, for Kingdom Hearts 3, it, there's definitely a bit of an overlap because you like the this, this switching weapons uh, is an interesting ability that you can do is because you can like switch weapons mid attack. So that like I now in retrospect see that, but it's I, I don't know. I really the, the aesthetic in the Final Fantasy game is really awesome. It's honestly I'm getting some a bit of Monster Hunter vibes from it just because of the amount uh, there's a lot of hunting wild animals 
uh, and monsters, if you will. And there's like there's a whole different like it's not as in depth of a combat system, but there's for each weapon. But there's a lot of different weapons that do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So it feels like that, but just with a, a Final Fantasy story behind it and a fancy car that a prince drives around in with his four bodyguards. But it's very cool. I just got the first summon, but it's also it's not it's not as clean as the this Final Fantasy VII remake summons. Like you don't have as much freedom to like summon them whenever. It's almost kind of like a random encounter that sometimes appears on the screen. So small gripe with that, but nothing big. Mm-hmm. Anything that you guys have been playing though? Enough about Final Fantasy fifteen. Oh. Well, despite me have been gathering rocks and strawberries in Final Fantasy 14 for a whole day. I have been putting my eyes in... You gather Starburst in the game? Yeah. (laughs) Is that a brand deal? I mean... There are a lot. There are <laughs> I mean, a lot. I, there are a lot of crafter and gatherer jobs in Final Fantasy fourteen, and okay. I have to make something in in that game. So I do grind for a day for for it. Well, yeah. And I have been just fishing, get gathering some fruits like strawberries, or something like uh, mineral water. Nice. And yeah, there's <laughs> just a tons of that. I, I've also been doing some fishing in Final Fantasy 15. Oh yeah, so. right. Oh yeah, that that part I enjoy. And like they put it in there and then every like all of your guys around you it's like are you really having fun? Why do you do this? And I'm like, "What? Why?" No, like you don't why understand. put it in the game and then shit on me. It's fun. Poop on me. It's fun. Bleep it out. Mute me out. Ugh. Dang it. I'm going to have a hard take here. I have never had fun in any fishing minigame ever. Really? Yeah. Really? I I agree with Miles on that. (laughs) What? You guys don't like fishing? Every fishing minigame I've ever played has been just so boring or like needlessly convoluted or just really stupid hard and doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just not a fun mechanic for me. You you may laugh about it, but I I even enjoy fishing in Minecraft. (laughs) No, like, fishing is... Oh, fishing is fun. Fish the fishing the better the fishing mini game, the better the game. I'm not so I'm not joking. I can fish a whole day in Minecraft. I used to do that. I'm I could do a lot of fishing. I mean I maybe not necessarily a whole day on this one, but there was a good fishing sim in another Oh. Fishing in Hades is fun. And you can't knock that. It's a good mechanic. It's very simple and you get special shiny things. So <laughs> But okay. We'll talk about a fish. We'll we'll have this fishing sim debate later. Make cast fishing <laughs> trip. Yes. To go with movie Made night. Cast fishing trip. Yes. But pre movie night, we have a made cash fishing trip, and then come back and watch a movie. What are we? <laughs> what are we watching? Jaws. Okay. <laughs> it's a good movie. Yes. Very dated. Yeah. Dated. Mm. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think we are running out of time for this episode of the Maidcast, but uh, 
Thank, we want to thank you for listening, the listener, to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you've got any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the made afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. Till then, I'm Miles. I'm Red. I'm Chen. I'm Anthony. And thanks. We'll see you next time. See ya. See you next time. See ya. Later, gamers.